You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A third COVID vaccine has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA. It's the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And unlike the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, this one requires just a single dose. Johnson & Johnson says they have about 4 million doses that they're able to distribute immediately. And Michigan is set to receive about 80,000 of those doses. It's a huge help in getting more Michiganders, uh, Michiganders vaccinated against the coronavirus, and it's going to get us one big step closer to achieving that goal of herd immunity. Here to tell us more about the new vaccine and the role it's going to play in slowing the spread of COVID-19 here in Metro Detroit is Dr. Sam Masalam, an emergency medicine physician and vice president and medical director of the International Initiative's at Henry Ford Health System. Dr. Masalam has also been leading Henry Ford's vaccine community outreach efforts in underserved communities. Dr. Masalam, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. So this vaccine is one dose. Uh, the others are two. Just explain to our listeners why that works, why this uh, vaccine works with just one dose while the others don't. Um, and what do we know about its effectiveness uh, versus the other vaccines? Yes. Um, hello, everybody, and thank you for having me. Uh, so we are fortunate, as you did state, that uh, we have uh, now a third vaccine in our uh, armamentarium to help us um, get out of this pandemic. Uh, so the two previous vaccines that are currently sort of most widely available in the United States are Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, they are, and they were tested as um, uh, trialed as, as a two-shot series, uh, basically, and I'm not an immunologist, but um, it is to generate an immune response and then uh, trigger that cellular immunity uh, because of the uh, mRNA uh, uh, technology that they're using as the genetic material. This virus, the Johnson and Johnson um, vaccine, it's called the Janssen vaccine, is an adenovirus uh, technology that has been essentially killed. Um, and the uh, DNA in the adenovirus is modified so that it doesn't replicate. And that's why you don't get sick from having a, an adenovirus, but they actually have modify the DNA so that it produces a key part of the uh, SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus uh, particle. And the body then recognizes that as foreign and develops an immune response. Um, Johnson & Johnson is actually currently looking at a two vaccine series um, trial, but uh, with their initial trial work, looking at it uh, from a one single dose vaccine and looking at it efficacy from that perspective, uh, they have uh, found that it's actually quite efficacious, uh, and I'm happy to share those numbers uh, with you in that <clears throat> it, it really is a, um, you know, uh, doesn't sort of bring you to the 94, 95% efficacy of, of the Pfizer and, and, um, and Moderna vaccines, but it has 72% efficacy overall in the United States, 86% overall efficacy against severe disease, um, uh, and 100% effective in preventing hospitalizations and death. 
they have all been shown to be 100% effective in preventing hospitalizations and death. That's really the key thing, right? I think one of the um, really worrisome things about the virus and the disease is hospitalizations, is the, de the death uh, data, the long hauler syndromes that we're seeing. And so any vaccine that's out there that can prevent any of this is, is absolutely uh, a great vaccine and we would recommend it. What's really exciting also about this uh, vaccine is that it's been tested against the South Africa strain uh, and other strains, and it has been shown to have, uh, at least for the South Africa strain, the variant uh, has 82% overall efficacy against that. And in fact, this Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been shown to be the most effective of the three vaccines so far against the South African strain. Uh, so a great third um, weapon in our armamentarium. And obviously the really nice thing about it logistically is that it's a one shot, you know, sort of the one and done, mm -hmm. one shot vaccine. You don't have to worry about having to come back in uh, three weeks or four weeks, depending on Pfizer or Moderna. And therefore, you know, if you think about it, uh, your immunity is that much quicker and you're, uh, you've developed immunity and you're protected against the disease that much quicker, you know, essentially at least a month sooner, uh, we would think uh, with the one shot series, you don't have to make an appointment, go back. Uh, so there's many, many things about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that are quite attractive. Mm. And and the uh, the storage conditions for this are a little easier than they are for the other vaccines that are on the market at this point. Uh, talk about why that matters. Much, much easier. Uh, thank you. Uh, so it can be stored at normal refrigerated temperatures, unlike the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Uh, that means that, you know, as we ramp up production, we can get significantly more shots uh, into people's arms um, in more places. So if you think about it, you know, uh, for the Pfizer vaccine, uh, we at Henry Ford Health System and others really had to spend a great deal of time in planning, had to purchase these special freezers that get you down to the minus 30 degrees Celsius uh, temperatures to store those. Uh, Moderna, not quite as cold, but you still, it still needs to be frozen. Um, Johnson & Johnson um, actually can be, uh, you know, kept in uh, normal, our normal refrigeration, um, you know, temperatures, our normal freezers, and has a much, much longer uh, life in a regular refrigerator. So you can keep it cool, you can get it into uh, much difficult or much more difficult to sort of communities, uh, you know, rural areas, you start thinking about global um, options and opportunities. Uh, you can start to see how this can make a huge difference. One shot, much easier to store and transport. Uh, significant, um, you know, significant uh, advance uh, in our opinion as far as vaccines. Mm. Uh, so Henry Ford was one of the phase three trial sites for this vaccine, as well as the Moderna vaccine that was approved earlier. Can you talk about the work that you and your colleagues have been doing with these vaccination efforts? What do those trials look like? Yeah, so Henry Ford Health System, uh, the Departments of Infectious Disease, as well as Global Health Initiative, uh, the Global Health Initiative team uh, is uh, within my department, uh, really teamed up to initially be part of the Moderna uh, trials uh, last June, and then the Johnson & Johnson trials essentially last, you know, sort of September, October. Um, and basically it is like any other trial work where you have to submit to, you know, um, uh, an internal review board. Uh, you have to have 
uh, you know, it, it is uh, above board where you get consent and you share everything you know about what you're doing with patients. You have volunteers who sign up for these trials. Um, and essentially, it's uh, what we call a double-blinded study, meaning that the uh, people who are working the trials, you know, our people here don't know which, um, you know, if, if the volunteer is receiving a placebo or essentially sort of a, a saline or a salt injection versus the actual uh, drug, the vaccine in this case. Um, and so, therefore, you, you do away with a lot of bias and a lot of issues uh, with, um, you know, is this a good study versus, you know, a bad study. And uh, we were fortunate to be able to be part of both of those. I think we were leading the nation uh, in the percentage of uh, African-American and Latin American and uh, people above the age of 60 who enrolled in these trials. So uh, we were actually very, very happy and proud of the work we did from that perspective. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, this really does reflect our community. And what it helps us to do is to be able to share the science with our community. Um, we can gladly say to them and with all honesty that they were members of the trial and this vaccine wasn't just tested on people that don't look like them or much younger than them or much healthier than them. It was tested in our communities uh, with people that reflect what our communities look like and their you know, uh, disease burden. And that's where the efficacy has been shown. So when you speak to somebody about and trying to educate somebody about taking a vaccine, you can share the data and, and with all confidence that this was tested in our community and it works. It's been shown to work in our community. Hmm. I'm talking with uh, Dr. Sam Masalam, an emergency medicine physician and vice president and medical director of international initiatives at the Henry Ford Health System. Uh, he's also been leading Henry Ford's vaccine community outreach efforts in underserved communities. Uh, we're talking about this new vaccine that has been approved for emergency use by the FDA, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It's a little different than the other two. Uh, a single shot is all, all you need. You don't have to come back for a second dose of this, uh, of this vaccine. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us where you are in the whole vaccination process. Have you gotten a vaccination? Have you gotten the first dose of a vaccination and are waiting for the second? Uh, how is that changing your whole outlook on the pandemic? Are you feeling more confident about doing things like going out to eat or maybe going to the movies? Uh, are you getting together unmasked with friends or family members who also may be vaccinated? Give us a sense of how quickly you're reacting to the fact that we do have a vaccine now. Uh, and more and more people, of course, are, are starting to take those vaccines. Uh, also, give us a call, though, if you're a little skeptical about the vaccine, if you're somebody who is waiting to see a little longer what the effects might be, or uh, somebody who's just uh, a little skeptical about the speed with which all of this has, uh, has taken place. We'd love to hear uh, how you're managing uh, your expectations in your life around those fears. Are you going to be willing to go back to the world if you're not willing to take uh, the vaccination. As always, uh, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. 
Dr. Masalam, I want to I want to ask you about vaccine skepticism. Uh, you're doing a lot of work uh, trying to lead Henry Ford's vaccine community outreach efforts in underserved communities. Uh, the skepticism is something that we uh, see in a lot of those communities, and with good historical reason. Uh, talk about the work that you're up to, though. Yeah, thank you. So we have uh, we here at Henry Ford Health System have uh, worked really hard to try and uh, uh, inoculate, administer these vaccine doses to uh, our community members, our patients, and our uh, team members, our employees. Uh, you know. So it is a Herculean effort uh, in trying to do this. Obviously, as we spoke about, you know, the, the you have to, it's a two-shot series. That's all we've had uh, thus far up to this week. We expect uh, a small, you know, percentage or a small dosage or allocation of Johnson & Johnson. But for the most part, we've been working with Pfizer and Moderna. Um, vaccine hesitancy is uh, very prevalent. Uh, it's prevalent in our communities. It's prevalent in, in our uh, team members. Uh, uh, and that has a lot to do with, you know, historical perspectives. It has a lot to do with trust of the healthcare system. Uh, it has uh, a lot to do with uh, lots of misinformation and disinformation. Uh, social media is rampant with myths and, and falsehoods uh, and misinformation regarding vaccines. I read somewhere there's, you know, almost 40 million people on an anti-vaccine sort of social media uh, channel. Uh, so, you know, there's the, the fears related to you know, autism uh, spectrum disorders that were, you know, dispelled, and yet those fears still persist. The, you know, the, you know, Tuskegee um, experience and experiments uh, in the, that was, you know, from the 40s uh, out to the 70s in our African-American community um, uh, in Alabama uh, still is quite, uh, you know, people remember it. Um, and it sticks in people's minds, especially uh, our patients and community members of color. Uh, and so that leads to the mistrust as well. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's, um, we have a lot of work to do on education. Uh, you know, our, our jobs are that much more amplified and become more difficult when we try to, you know, fight uh, myths, you know, mistruths and misinformation that's out there. Um, and frankly, you know, it's working with, um, you know, our teams, our our experts in our communities to figure out how to best reach folks, right? There's this lack of trust or mistrust of the healthcare system. And so when we set up a clinic, you know, in, uh, in one of our hospitals, you're essentially telling people that who may not necessarily trust the hospital, the healthcare system to come here so we can give you a shot. Uh, so you can imagine how that uh, might not play out very well. Uh, so people also, uh, you know, when you look at a hospital, you, you don't think of health and wellness, right? You think of illness and disease and potentially infectious disease, right? Why would I go to a hospital to get a, a vaccine if I'm going to be more likely to potentially be exposed to COVID-19, right? That's some of the thinking, obviously, you know, we don't expose people to COVID-19. We um, have these clinics uh, in very safe areas. It's away from, uh, you know, our potential uh, patients with COVID-19. And yet that's the thinking. And so how do you work really hard against that? And part of the work that we've, we've, we've done, right, and it's uh, really a team effort here, uh, and my GHI mobile team has been fantastic in this, is partnering with community members, right? How do we partner with the city of Detroit? How do we partner with um, church leaders? How do we partner with anybody and everybody who is a trusted source? Um, 
uh, and and then can we go there? Right? Can we get to those patients that those community members where they feel safe? As an example, we've uh, partnered with the city of Detroit at the Second Ebenezer Church every Saturday for the past, you know, three Saturdays to vaccinate uh, close to 500 people every day, and you know that is a an experience that's been great for us and for the city of Detroit and and our and uh, you know its residents and. We're going to replicate that. You know, we plan to replicate that with access um, and a, uh, you know, a, a mosque in 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 Dearborn, in Detroit. We're going to replicate that at a community center, uh, the Martin Luther King uh, Center in in Jackson, Michigan. We're going to replicate that uh, at a high school in Oak Park. Uh, so that really is a sort of how do you work with folks? Um, so we've always said, can you get people to you know go to a trusted place? and listen to a trusted face. Um, and so the second Ebenezer church experience was, you know, the church is a trusted place. Uh, their bishop, Bishop Van, is a trusted uh, individual who took the vaccine, he and his wife, and he showed everybody that it was safe. Mm -hmm. uh, he was back, you know, and he's still working and, um, and he's still speaking with his congregation and he's visible and he showed them, look, I'm, I'm not the worst for wear. I actually am more comfortable. I'm, I'm freer, I feel safer, and that speaks volumes. Um, and so how do we think about getting into our communities? How do we think about uh, working with them to be able to get them to trust us that this is the right thing to do? Because honestly, if we don't get everybody vaccinated, uh, we'll continue to deal with this pandemic uh, for a much longer time. So it does, it's not me alone, it's not my teams, it is not Henry Ford Health System or Henry Ford Hospital. Uh, or any physician or nurse, right? It's uh, it's the entire population, honestly, in this in, in this effort to get to that. You know, you use the word herd immunity. Right. It is to get to that herd immunity. We need 70% of people vaccinated. Uh, and having a disease is not enough, right? If you've had COVID-19, it is not enough because there are new variants. We have had experiences with people getting reinfected uh, with a different strain, uh, and so these vaccines will hopefully offer a much greater degree of yeah, protection. Uh, yeah. protection. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to continue this conversation with Dr. Sam Masalam, and then we'll get to your calls. Vernon and Auburn Hills, Vera and Dearborn, Kevin and Ferndale, Phil and Taylor will work you into the show next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. To Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. And my guest is Dr. Sam Masalam, an emergency medicine physician and vice president and medical director of international initiatives at Henry Ford Health System. We're talking about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is now here and approved for emergency use by the FDA. How does that change the vaccination picture? How does it change it for you? Does it make you more comfortable with getting back to life uh, as we knew it before the pandemic? Uh, does uh, this single-shot vaccine give you even more confidence that uh, we're going to beat COVID-19 and bring the world back to some state of normalcy? 
As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, let's start with Vera in Dearborn. Vera, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Hi. Um, I have a question, mm-hmm. um, and this is a concern of mine. I have highly elevated histamine levels, and I haven't been able to bring them down to a normal level. And with my immune system being overstimulated already, I'm concerned about uh, what my body's response to the vaccine would be Hmm. if it would, you know, I don't want that uh, cytokine storm or whatever to to happen when I get the vaccine. And I haven't been able to get any answers to to what I should do or what that response could be. And, you know, my concern is, you know, should I be taking an antihistamine before I get the vaccine to to kind of dull that response or... Or what? I, you know, great so questions, uh, Vera. Important, important questions, uh, Doctor Masalam. Uh, what's the advice for Vera? Yeah, hi, Vera. It sounds like you've got a very unique situation. Uh, so, two things: that cytokine storm you referred to has not been shown to be something that we worry about from vaccines, and so that that's a non-issue. Uh, for you specifically, I don't know if you've had previous vaccines. Uh, we anticipate that your response would be similar to what you've had with previous vaccines. But at the end of the day, each individual is very unique. Uh, we actually, in the CDC, does not recommend you take any medicines before, you know, getting a vaccine uh, like an anti-inflammatory or in your, you know, situation, um, an antihistamine. But uh, we would always recommend that you speak to your physician, uh, talk to an immunologist, um, an allergy specialist uh, before your specific case. So in your case, we would refer you to an allergy specialist to have that conversation to make sure that it's safe and what should be done. We are investigating for those people who are highly uh, allergic or uh, have uh, significant um, allergies or have not been able to tolerate vaccines before uh, work within the allergy community here, right? So within our, our allergy offices and with our allergy and immunology specialists to look at each and every single case where they would be given, uh, you know, the appropriate advice. And if they were to proceed with the vaccine would be uh, observed in a, a much uh, closer setting than is currently happening at uh, community sites or in, in mass vaccination clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Vera, thanks very much for the call and the really important question, and uh, we wish you luck in figuring figuring that out so you can get the vaccination. Let's go to Phil in Taylor. Phil, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Thank hey. you uh, very much. I love your show. Oh, and, thank uh, you. I, I've had the Pfizer, both of the Pfizer vaccines uh, January 20th and then February 10th at my local Myers store mm-hmm. because I get my prescriptions there. But I have a question about a good friend of mine uh, is a Catholic and was told by her priest that you should not get the vaccine because they use the cells of aborted fetuses in mm. making the vaccine. And I, I, I didn't believe it, and I haven't looked it up, but I wonder if there's any truth to that. Yeah, uh, Phil, I'm glad you called and asked the question. That's a rumor that I've heard out there as as well. There are a lot of things that are being said about these vaccines that are partially true or completely untrue. 
and it's important to, to surface them so we can talk about uh, whether they are, in fact, uh, true. Dr. Dr. Masalam, address uh, the, the concern that Phil raises here. Yeah, thank you, Phil, for taking the, um, the vaccine and doing your part. Um, uh, it is much appreciated. The, um, I've heard the same rumors, uh, and I actually had not planned on uh, looking that up for here, but I had looked it up because we were doing the Moderna trials. And during our work with the Moderna trials, um, that did come up, and I did look that up, and that is absolutely not true for Moderna. Um, I can't say that I have the research for Pfizer or Johnson Johnson about those specific elements. Uh, I doubt that that's true for those, but I can uh, say with certainty that is not true for Moderna. I'd have to look it up uh, for the others, but um, that is a highly, highly unlikely uh, scenario. Mm. Uh, I think it's important to to, to make that really crystal clear because there are people out there saying these things and and telling people these things and and it's hard to know sometimes what to believe uh, you know I also uh, have heard people reluctant about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because of the talcum powder lawsuit for instance and they're saying well if we couldn't trust that company, with that, why should I trust them uh, with the vaccine? And, and uh, Dr. Masalam, I would imagine that uh, in your work, these are some of the things that you continue to hear from people about about skepticism. And and it's not it's not easy to kind of knock these things down, but you got to be systematic about it. That's exactly right. It, it's you know impossible to foretell you know into the future what well, we can pretty much know and rely on and use our experience with vaccine, vaccines and vaccinations in general. We've been doing vaccinations in this country uh, for you know, well over uh, 70, 80 years. Um, we have a significant amount of experience with the mRNA technology. Uh, it's not new, right? It's new to vaccines, but it's not new. We've been using that technology uh, in cancer therapy for the last 10 years. And so based on those experiences, we can speak to the safety of uh, vaccines in general uh, and the mRNA technology specifically for the past 10 years. Uh, and none of those concerns have been borne out. Uh, you know, what happens, you know, 50, 60 years from now, we're always discovering uh, there's nothing that's 100% in, in healthcare. What I do tell people is, you know, our choice is simple, honestly, right? It's, it's, there's one of two, you get the, you know, you get exposed to the virus and you deal with the illness and the consequences there, potential hospitalization and death and long haul syndrome, or you get the vaccine. We know significantly more about, you know, uh, over the past year, what happens with COVID-19 and the consequences of that disease. Um, I've seen it firsthand, uh, not just as a physician where I've taken care of very sick and ill folks, mm -hmm. um, but in family members who have suffered from this disease, um, several of which have not made it and have died. Yeah. Uh, so we know that COVID-19 uh, kills people. We know that COVID-19 uh, gets you very, very sick, um, miserably so for you know upwards of three, four weeks. We know that uh, I've seen people who have been on ventilators for weeks. Uh, we and, and I have seen people who are now having sort of that, you know, that fog, that, um, you know, that, that, that long haul. They're just not right. They don't feel back to themselves. They're not normal. Some of them have had 
you know, blood clotting issues, uh, strokes, and others. Uh, recent studies suggested that 54% uh, of uh, people who have moderate disease have some sort of heart uh, problem afterwards, mm -hmm. right? Um, so those are our choices. Yeah. Honestly, that's really the choice, right? Do you get the vaccine, which we know that essentially, you know, in a history of vaccines, um, your reactions and the side effects you have are pretty much immediate, right? right? Within right. the first couple of days. Yeah. Thereafter, nothing else happens. Right. Uh, we're so. we're going to run out of time here, uh, Dr. Masalam, but I want to make sure that you have uh, a chance to say again that even if you've had COVID, you do need a vaccine. Kevin and Ferndale had that question again, and I know you said it earlier, but I want you to just repeat it. You do need the vaccine even if you've been sick. Yes, absolutely. We recommend getting vaccinated, waiting about uh, 30 days. We used to say 90 days, but uh, about 30 days, 14 to 30 days after you're completely symptom-free and feeling uh, much better to go ahead and get vaccinated. Uh, the vaccines will provide you much greater protection against these new variants and yeah. strains. Uh, we, we know that uh, people who um, have had COVID, their antibodies uh, essentially wane and go away uh, yeah. within about uh, you know six to nine right. months. Okay, uh, Dr. Masalam, we're, we're, we're out of time, but uh, I, I do appreciate you being here and, and giving all this really great information. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for me today. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station.